shot towards the end zone. Under Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Bearcat Blitz. A uh, little bit of a somber edition today for you UC fans looking for answers, looking for reasons why the 16-game winning streak in the battle for the victory bell has come to a close. UC falls 31-24 on Saturday night, the first time they've lost a night game in the past 14 contests. And I welcome in. My co-host, former UC wide receiver Dominic Goodman, which Dom, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but your freshman year, was that the last time the Bearcats lost a game in this series? Yeah, that's the last time. I mean, it was kind of crazy. The funny part, going in my freshman year, we was they was talking about how Miami always used to win the bell. Um, so it was kind of kind of different once we once we lost that game. We kind of figured it out. We got blown out, by the way, but we um, figured it out, got it together, and we promised we'd never lose it again. But, you know, things happen. Um, I just think it's one of the things I think they just, like myself, you, you coach always tells you never take a team lightly, and I think they kind of took them lightly. And uh, Miami was just well-prepared, ready to go, fired up. The coach had them ready. That he did. Chuck Martin was asking where my check was after the game, getting a little sound bite. <laughs> A little viral soundbite there, as viral as a, as, a, as a Miami Redhawks soundbite can get right there in the Battle for Victory Bell. But as you mentioned, Dom, just a, a missed opportunity for the Bearcats, too. According to Sumer Sports Analytics expert Parker Fleming, this was the luckiest win of the weekend across all 133 FBS teams, Dominic, that played an FBS school. He did not include the FCS games, but UC was the unluckiest team of any team this week. And you can go check out allbearcats.com where you can find all the coverage from the game. You can find an article talking about their fall in the athletics overall team rankings. And I show that chart there. And of course you can catch Bearcat Blitz on YouTube, Talking Cats with Russ Heltman. You can catch us on podcast feeds all over Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts and dive into the Bearcat Blitz community. We're going strong on our third or fourth week of shows now. We're cruising on Valley Sports as well, multiple airings there this past weekend ahead of the game where we were hoping our uh, our preview show would have been a little bit more accurate than it ultimately ended up being, Dominic, in a game where UC had 30 first downs, 538 yards of total offense, even turnover battle, 2-2 on either side, 36 to 23-minute advantage in time of possession, but the great equalizer and one that so often determined games in the sport of football. And the biggest takeaway for me, Dominic, one for seven, I believe, inside the 10-yard line in terms of converting those chances into touchdowns. They were moving the ball up and down the field throughout the game, Dom. Emory Jones, over 100 yards on the ground. I thought he played another solid game despite the turnover. I thought he was very, very good, and the PFF grades bear that out. He was the second-highest graded or third-highest-graded offensive player on the team behind Xavier Henderson and Barrick Falk, the tight end, 72.6 overall, something like that for Emory Jones. They moved the ball really well in this game, Dom, but once we got inside the 5, inside the 10-yard line, the scholarships on Miami started to pop up as well, as Emory Jones quoted in the uh, post-game press conference. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got you to gotta convert – 
you gotta make you gotta convert on the on the times in the in the red zone. Um, um, you only convert those as missed opportunities, and you giving uh, bring a life into Miami, and which it did. Uh, Miami did a good job for us sticking with the game plan and uh, and just just chopping wood, you know, just chopping along, just staying with the staying with the game plan. Gabber did a good job, just not commit too many turnovers, not making any bad decisions. Um, it was just well played by Miami. Miami played played did their game plan and executed well. Just you see missed opportunities. And um, I don't know, part of me would have wished uh, to see Connor in there a little bit more, especially down in the red zone. But, you know, I ain't the coach, but that's something that um, that I was kind of curious. And uh, there's certain things I was curious about, especially with the um, the last play of the game in overtime. Uh, I thought they was going to go back to a quarterback draw inside zone, inside zone, because uh, it was getting four or five yards of pop on that. And they had them spread out. They only had five or six in the box. And I'm like, shoot go back to it, but I was more surprised with the past, but it's just one of them things, man. I'm still thinking about it, still think it's a dream myself. So, Dom, let me ask you this. 57 carries to 34 pass attempts in this game. Did you feel like that was the balance necessary for the Bearcats? Do you feel like they were leaning into the things that were working well, or would you have liked to maybe seen them air it out a little bit more and maybe try for some more downfield attacking which for the most part, they didn't do a lot of downfield stuff at all. There was the Braden Smith catch down the left sideline, which was an amazing body control. Once again, Braden Smith, back-to-back weeks, amazing catches on display for the Bearcats. But it was a lot of Xavier Henderson. He got a heavy dose of targets in this game, 12 catches, a career high, but just 11.7 yards per catch there because there were so many comeback routes along the sideline. It was almost entirely either button hooks or deep 12-yard, 15-yard comeback routes not a lot of downfield attacking on the flip side. Miami attacks downfield on play one, two. The guy we talked about all show last week, Gage Larbadane, and he burns the Bearcats on play one, which completely flips the momentum right away. Yeah, I, I think the Miami's game plan was going to bend, don't break, just allow everything underneath, yeah. rally around. And once we get in that red zone, which they did, play hard north ball, make some stops, make a force a field goal. Um, and just like we said, you got to score on them opportunities. And um, receiver from Miami, I mean, he played a heck of a game. That was a guy who they had to focus on the stop, and he made plays when necessary. And and it just you just seeing what happens. It's just kind of crazy how that stuff works. Yeah, Dom. It's just it's it's really hard to swallow defensively when you allow only 12 completions, which is what you want to see happen almost every single week in a sport of college football, 12 completions, you're going to find yourself winning a lot of those games unless you give up 19.8 yards per catch on those completions. It's just, it's really hard to stay afloat, especially when the offense isn't executing in the red zone, when you're giving up big plays every other drive. And that kind of gauged out in the PFF grades as well with Justin Harris and Jordan Young being the two lowest-graded players on the defensive side of the ball. They gave up, I believe, four out of five targets, catches on four out of five targets for 144 yards passing and two touchdowns. That's just not good enough, Dominic. And it's it's something that's got to get shored up throughout practice this week, especially in the film room when we talk about the miscommunication that Scott Satterfield labeled that first play deep touchdown as being. They got to get that cleaned up because you have arguably the most potent offense in the country with one of the most sound veteran quarterbacks 
a la Brett Gabbard on steroids and a guy in Dylan Gabriel who has the stats right now to make a Heisman case pretty easily. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to go in there and clean a lot of stuff up. Um, it's just one of them things, especially going to look at Oklahoma next week, right? Yeah, they're coming here. Oklahoma coming here. Oklahoma. So, I mean, you got to clean all that stuff up and before you go against Oklahoma, you know, because um, Oklahoma's no slouch. So, um, just it's one of them things you just got to clean up the stuff in the game, look it over, things to adjust on, things to work on. Um, and get ready for o- Oklahoma. You know, this game was just one of those things I really feel, honestly, uh, they just took them light. Uh, just think it was going to be a walk in the park. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know. Um, they executed their game plan. So it, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Jordan Young, Justin Harris, 51.8 and 51.6 grades in coverage. They give up five catches on six targets for 141 yards and two touchdowns. Your two top outside corners got to be better. And that was the game plan. And that was the issue on defense. Offensively, the big issue, it's red zone. Red zone execution, looking at the play calling in the red zone there. And as we go to break here, Dominic, I'm not really worried about this team in terms of overall expectations that I had going into the season. Now, you and I last week were, and I brought broached on the Thursday show, I believe, do we need to readjust the expectations positively upping the win total going into this weekend? Now it kind of leaves me, I'm kind of left where I thought they would be throughout the season. We're a middle of the pack, big 12 teams, six and six, seven and five overall, worst case five and seven, but they're where they thought I would, they would be They're The team is where I thought they would be after three games, which is two and one record overall, despite the ending of the streak against Miami. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it would have been a big thing, big big win for Miami for for is the that momentum going into Oklahoma, right. um, but I kind of I don't want to. Maybe it wakes them thing. up a little bit. Maybe they were they're reading their press clippings a little too much, and this humbles them and gets you back in that nobody believes in us mentality, which is where you kind of need to be as a fourteen point underdog to the Sooners. Yeah, yeah, they need all that momentum going into it because, you know, I mean, as much as I want, if they win that game, it's going to be still momentum. But losing that game kind of put that chip on your shoulder because now you're at a point right now going into the Big 12 conference that you can't afford to have those type of mistakes and type of games. you got to execute in the red zone. you got to make plays uh, on the the defenders and keep them from uh, going from throwing what they complete, what you said, 10, they went – they got 10 passes. 12 of 20 for 237 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, a 12-yard per attempt average from Brett Gabbard, and a 96.5 out of 100 college QBR, according to ESPN. That's near perfect. He was nearly perfect give up, uh, outside of that interception on Saturday. So as we go to break here, Dom, you are not worried about this team overall going forward the rest of the year in terms of what you expected from them in 2023? No, nah, I'm never worried about the Bearcats. Uh, only, only positivity. Just I just know how they're gonna um, bounce back and uh, get ready, more hungry and, and ready for Oklahoma. You see, taking on Oklahoma. We'll touch on that a little bit before a big preview on Thursday. But first, I want to get Dom's top victory bell memory. We didn't get to touch on that last week. I want to touch on that this week and make sure we get that in here because plenty of good memories for Dominic to choose from from that three- or four-year stretch, 2005 to 2008, in that rivalry. We'll see if the expectations get adjusted a little bit for UC, and we'll talk about 
Oklahoma being 14-point favorites, the largest spread at home that this Bearcats program has faced since the start of the decade. All of that coming up on Bearcat Blitz. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bearcat Blitz returns wherever you're checking us out, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you be checking us out on my YouTube page, Talking Cats with Russ Eltman. We're on Bally Sports as well, Bally Sports Ohio, throughout each and every game day weekend or football weekend for the University of Cincinnati. I got my co-host, Dominic Goodman, former UC wide receiver across the way from me and a guy that experienced plenty of good memories in the battle for the victory bell. Tough one this past weekend for the Bearcats. They send the bell back home to Miami and Jawan Briggs, a guy who actually you could make a case was the best player on the field in that game on Saturday, gave a hearty apology for the entire roster to alums like you, Dominic, saying how sorry they all were about the loss and about the streak and about the 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 dominance ending on Saturday night. It all started in your class with your crew, Dominic. Give me some of your maybe if you got a couple, we'd love to hear them, but maybe just your top story from uh from Battle of the Victory Bell rivalry games. Um, well, this is uh, a quick one. I know my freshman year was my first time really playing in the in the in the bell. I growing up, my dad played at UC, so I grew up around it and I knew the rivalries and all the different stuff. So being actually to to play in the victory bell and be able to have my family watch it and my dad watch it was great. Um, but we, like I said, we got beat pretty bad, but it was my chance to really, um, show uh, what I can do. I got in, got in the game a couple of times. Uh, I had some nice kick returns and, and made a top 10 play at receiver, uh, with a touchdown catch, my first catch, um, touchdown catch of my college career. So that was one of my, uh, memories just starting out as a young buck, but, um, sophomore years when we won it back, that was a big one for us because we did it at the nip. Um, so we it was a great taste coach was on us the whole year all season like we got to win this we got to win the uh, cake and nails back we got to win the bell so it was all our goal so for us to win it back was a great feeling um and then the senior year you know hey it was just pretty much just blew, blew them out um and that was a good season for us and i had a lot of fun you know just them three years just going against miami and just this basically made it feel like it was not a robbery. It was just pretty much we just gonna just another team in the way. We're gonna get them out the way on to the next one. Battle for the victory bell memories. A lot of good ones for Dominic Goodwin and hopefully some some more good ones. I know Bearcats fans wanting to see that streak picked right back up and retake the lead. They had the lead for one year, Dominic. 60, 59, and seven. Now it is 60, 60, and seven all time in the longest running non-conference college football rivalry in the sport. This is Bearcat Blitz. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, all Bearcats reporter on SI's Fan Nation. You can check us out on allbearcats.com and all Bearcats on Facebook and Twitter. 
or X, I guess they're calling it now. I really want to keep calling it Twitter. I don't want to call it X. It's just so odd, but Twitter X, same kind of thing. And of course, Dominic Goodman, UC wide receiver across the way from me here. As Dom, 31-24, the Bearcats get, well, they get a four for four night from Carter Brown before the guy just, just lets the biggest kick of the season, biggest kick of the season so far, get blocked. And Miami capitalize on it. They go into overtime and they get the job done with Brett Gabbert ringing the bell on the field. Do we have to kind of drop things back to this team hovering around 500? According to ESPN's football power index, they now have an 82.8% chance of getting to six wins or more on the season. They're currently ranked seventh on ESPN's football power index in the conference, but oddly 14th according to the athletic and their most uh most recent rankings Dom, they ranked you see from they went from 42nd last week to 79th in one week it was a very odd uh odd fall for the bearcats and we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the week especially against oklahoma but a massive massive opportunity to maybe get off that six and six trajectory and obviously to avoid falling to 500 but it feels like it's a six and six track the rest of the way for the bearcats unless they can pull off an upset here. It kind of goes back to last week where that was a fulcrum game for me. I thought they would assuredly beat Miami and be two and one on the season with a loss to Pitt. Now you're two and one on the season with a loss to Miami and you allow that fulcrum to sneak back in with the Oklahoma game this week that I think many people had as a loss, but I can't remember. Did you have them winning the game preseason? Um, I think I did. I had them going at least winning by three through a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a close, solid game. I still think that um, I'm just um, seeing as um, that loss to Miami is kind of like the one people thought they're going to lose the pit kind of replaces that loss, you know. Right. So they're still on track, still on track, still on pace to to go above um, 500 and, and still make it to a night, make it to a, to a bowl game as well. Oklahoma first three games of the season, 73 to nothing win over FBS Sunbelt opponent, Arkansas State, who the Red Wolves have had a pretty good program, honestly, in the past five years or so. 28-11 win over SMU at home, and then they go to Tulsa. First road trip of the season, getting ready for their next road trip in week four. And uh, yeah, Dom, they uh, they won 66-17. to So they have gone over 65 points twice already this season. They are an unbelievable freight train of an offense. When you look at a guy like Dylan Gabriel, 66 of 80, 905 yards, 11 touchdowns to one interception. It's just been a freight train from that passing offense and a defense that is starting to pick up on those famous Brent Venable keys that he used to power so many great Clemson defenses over the past five, six, seven, eight years before he took over the Oklahoma job last year. So I think it's it's a game that I thought they would be 10 to 11 point underdogs in, but given the way they destroyed Tulsa and given the troubles UC had with Miami, obviously, it feels like an extra three to four points got added on overnight in the spread tally. And now, Dom, it's the biggest spread as an underdog by far UC has faced since 2020. And it's probably the best team that will have entered Nippert Stadium in the past 10 years outside of that Houston team from 2018 that was ranked, I think, in the top seven 
or top eight when they came to Cincinnati. But other than actually, they might not have even traveled to Cincinnati. It might have just been a game on the schedule. So this is definitely kind of in layman's terms, breaking it down simply, one of the best teams, if not the best team to come to Nippert since 2013. Oh, man. I mean, just listening off all those stats is like, wow. But, you know, you got the nip. So you got to come play in the nip. You ain't playing at Oklahoma. You ain't playing at no other place. You playing at the nip. Special place, different place. So um, Oklahoma just, it's going to be a little adjustment for them. But uh, at the same time, as long as you see coming with that momentum, far as that the anger and that chip on their shoulder, uh, I think they'd be fine. Um, to me, do you want to be the underdog, especially taking a loss like that? You want to be the underdog because you got nothing to lose at this point. Uh, what's the worst thing going to happen? Just like in the pit game, what's the worst thing going to happen? We lose, okay, that's what they expected. So uh, this is a game they just got to go all out and, and just – just empty the clip on them, you know, just trick plays, all that stuff, because you can't have Oklahoma with a team clicking like that be in rhythm. Because if they score, you get a three and out, then they score again, and then that train is just going, and then we looking, looking at everybody leaving at halftime. So right. just maintain, hopefully just maintain it and just capitalize and execute and make the plays what they need to make. Number 16, Oklahoma in the AP poll, number 14 in the coaches poll, and number two in the entire country in ESPN's football power index. So the pollsters, the coaches, Dom, they might be a little behind. They are a little behind the computers in terms of the respect for this Oklahoma team. And what a test to start the tenure in the Big 12, a massive, massive one. And one where UC has not been in this kind of scenario really ever since getting into the national conscience in 2018. They've been an underdog just two other times at home going one and one against the spread in that span. Since 2018, one and one as a home underdog and have been an underdog 16 total times. That's it since 2018. They are 50-50, batting 50-50 in those scenarios both ways, one and one and eight and eight overall. It's going to be a really fun one. And kind of close things out here, Dom. As we move away, from the Miami game, look forward to the Oklahoma game. And you talk about that underdog mentality. I think if they end up, I, I don't know, this is maybe a little bit of a sports talk kind of scenario type question, but if they end up beating Oklahoma, maybe look back at that Miami game as a spark, as a, as a, as a reason, as they maybe catalyst for that, where you're reading your press clippings a little too much. Not that any of them have acted like that or, or like, have gone on social media and gotten all cocky and stuff like that, but it could possibly be that kind of scenario if they were to pull off the upset or play them pretty tight. But I don't know. I don't know if beating, if covering the spread is going to really make too many Bearcats fans happy unless they end up wagering on the game on Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. It only matters if you win. That's all that matters. Um, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. Um, Just, the way the way Oklahoma looking and the way you see you said, oh, it's a spark. Could be a spark, you know. But um, it's just as long as they stick to the game plan, fix the things they got to fix, and um, just keeping Oklahoma's offense off the field, um, it'll be a, it'll be a great game to watch. And um, I remember when we played them um, back in Oklahoma um, back when my senior year, and they had that national championship team. Uh, we was beating them at half. Uh, yep. All because we stuck with the game plan and we just kept the offense off the field. 
um, just I mean, and just executed. But in the second half, one of the things we had the offense stay on the field and they just kept scoring. We getting three and outs and it just ended up being a blowout. So it just just got to be cautious of those things. And as long as UC does those things, it'll be fine. Cannot wait to break it all down. Full preview coming your way from Dom and I right here on Bearcat Blitz on Thursday. And we will, of course, break down this massive, massive affair. The first Big 12 game in UC's history as a Big 12 member. And could be a good time to back the Bearcats on the betting line. Historically, a good scenario here. They are 5-3 and three against the spread after a loss since 2018. A team and a program that can't be counted out for too long and when you do count them out they throw it back in your face they have historically over the past half decade for dom goodman i'm russ heltman this has been bearcat blitz wherever you get your podcast your show all of that good stuff all encompassed right here on the believe network talk to you all on thursday again. Busts free. Jerome Ford down the sideline. Foot race. Pass call. Touchdown. 79 yards. The Peach Bowl. This is a big one too. And it's going to go all the way to the house on the first play. Through.